2 Timothy chapter 1, verses 8 to 18. Therefore, do not be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord, nor of me, his prisoner, but share in suffering for the gospel by the power of God, who saved us and called us to a holy calling, not because of our own works, but because of his own purpose and grace, which he gave us in Christ Jesus before the ages began, and which now has been manifested through the appearing of our Saviour, Christ Jesus, who abolished death and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel, for which I was appointed a preacher and apostle and teacher, which is why I suffer as I do. But I am not ashamed. For I know whom I have believed, and I am convinced that he is able to guard until that day what has been entrusted to me. Follow the pattern of the sound words that you have heard from me in the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. By the Holy Spirit who dwells within us, guard the good deposit entrusted to you. You are aware that all who are in Asia turned away from me, among whom are Phygelus and Hermogenes. May the Lord grant mercy to the household of Onsiphorus, for he often refreshed me and was not ashamed of my chains. But when he arrived in Rome, he searched for me earnestly and found me. May the Lord grant him to find mercy from the Lord on that day. And you well know all the service that he rendered at Ephesus. Jesus said, whoever is ashamed of him and his words, when Jesus returns on on the day of the Lord in all of his glory and with the angels, he'll be ashamed of them. Now, what does it mean to be ashamed of Jesus? Well, to be ashamed of something is to distance ourselves from it or to keep our allegiance hidden. Right? So, for example, the, the behaviour of the Greens in the Parliament at the moment, has anyone got a bit of trouble with, with what they've been doing in Parliament lately? So when Adam Bant, he's the leader of the Greens, um, whenever he's having a press conference, he removes the Australian flag. And so he'll stand in front of the Aborigine and Torres Strait Islander flags, but he removes the Australian flag because he's ashamed of what that flag represents. Uh, One of their senators just this week um, was forced to have to restate her oath of allegiance to the Queen, because here she was, she was taking an oath of allegiance to the Queen, as you have to do in the Senate, only she puts her hand up in a a power type thing and and saying, and started calling her the colonising Queen. And after she'd taken this oath of allegiance, where basically she was bagging the Queen, they forced her to have to retake the oath because to, to be a member of Parliament or to be in the, in the Senate, you actually have to give an oath of allegiance to, our, to those who rule over us. Um, but these people, they're ashamed of what it means to be Australian. You know, I personally find that abhorrent, that we have people in our own Parliament Um, who are making our laws, who are ashamed to be Australian. Um, But for us as Christians, how could we ever be ashamed of Jesus? I mean, why would a Christian 
ever distance themselves from Jesus? Or, or why would they ever keep their allegiance to Jesus hidden? Because it happens. And usually it happens when there's persecution. Uh, whether it's physical persecution or whether it's because we're afraid we're going to get mocked or made fun of or think people will think less of us because of our faith in Jesus. Now, depending on what company you keep, um, how often that's going to happen. If you're someone who only ever mixes with Christians, well, you're probably not going to be mocked for it very often. At least you're not going to hear those who are mocking you. But if we're the sorts of people who genuinely get involved in the community, and if we're the sorts of people who live out our faith in the community and don't try and hide it, there are definitely going to be times when Jesus and his followers are mocked. And I can assure you of that. It will happen. In other countries, it's not just the fear of getting mocked. In some lands, it's downright dangerous to be known as a Christian. The risk for them is prison. The risk is to be beaten. The risk is that, that uh, a crowd will come and burn their home down, probably with them still in it. Uh, their children can be taken away from them. They can be sent to be re-educated and they might even be killed. I'll just wait for the phone. slow one. And, and in Australia now, in our own land, um, we're starting to see laws being introduced where Christians can and will be punished for various things. Christians can be punished when they preach the whole gospel and when they don't try and keep bits of it hidden. Christians can be pub punished for, for publicly reading certain pieces of scripture or for daring to say that particular things are sin, or for daring to say that an unrepentant sinner might go to hell. Um, if, if anybody hears what's being said and they feel that it vilifies them, or even if it offends them, um, what happens is it gets labelled as hate speech, and in some jurisdictions that's illegal, and you can be punished for it. Now, to us, uh, th this comes as a dreadful development because we're not used to being persecuted in this sort of way. But, but let me tell you, the lack of persecution that, that we've been used to, that's an anomaly. That's not normal. It's normal for Christians to be persecuted. It always has been. And, and this becomes evident when we read a little bit wider as to what Jesus said about being ashamed of him. So I'm going to read from Luke chapter 9, re reading from verse 23. And Jesus said to them all, If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. That's like every morning you get up and go, Well, Jesus, I might be killed for you today. And that's okay, because I'm going to follow you. He goes on, for, for whoever would save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. For what does it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses or forfeits himself? For whoever is ashamed of me and of my words, of him will the Son of Man be ashamed when he comes in his glory and the glory of the Father and of the holy angels. Right? He's telling us here that persecution is normal for a disciple of Jesus. And he's telling us that we should expect it and we should be prepared for persecution, be ready for it. 
That's, that's rather sobering, isn't it? I might just now take the pressure off you guys just a little bit, just a tiny bit. Because when persecution comes, sometimes every Christian cops it. But more often, it's the Christian leaders who cop it or those who are the more prominent Christians in the community who cop it. So if you remember back a couple of years ago when Ting Ting was with us and, and she shared with us what it's like for her to be a Christian in China. And, and I asked her, was she afraid of, of being arrested when she goes to church? And, and she said, no, not really, because it's, it's only really the pastors there who are in danger, right? So, so the, in China, at least when she was there, the, the main thing was they would look for the pastors. And if they found a pastor or a leader in the church or somebody who was, who was um, preaching the gospel or baptising people, they're the ones that they would arrest, and, but then she went on to tell us, but you know what? Even if we do get arrested, or even if we do even get executed, and then her face lit up and she said, glory. And we don't get that, do we? But that's, with people who live with this, that, that's their attitude. Even if we die for our faith, glory. But it's not only church leaders who are in danger, it's also Christians who are in the public eye. Now, we saw this happening in the media this, over the last couple of weeks. The Manly Sea Eagles decided that for a particular game, their players had to wear the special edition gay pride jersey to show their support for that gay lifestyle. Um, but there were seven players who are now known as the Manly Seven, some of whom are Christians. Not all of them, but some of them were Christians who said that they weren't willing to wear the jersey. Now, for the Christians, it's because they don't want to be seen as supporting something which the Bible teaches is sin. Now, they didn't want to be divisive about it. They just said, oh, I just can't wear that because of my faith. And we're happy to wear the normal jersey, but the club wouldn't let them wear their normal jersey, and so they couldn't play. And they copped it. They copped it from some sections of the media. Of course, they copped it from the activists. Uh, they copped it from some very brave keyboard warriors who even some of them got death threats. And you know what? Even some Christians tried to distance themselves from the Manly Seven. And they'd say things like, you know what, those men, they, they, they say they're making a stand for the faith, but what a load of rubbish. You know, I'm a Christian and I see what they're doing is just hateful. These men were not ashamed of Jesus and they weren't ashamed of what the Bible teaches and they're willing to say, I'm a Christian, I'm a follower of Jesus and I cannot give my support to that lifestyle. Are we as unashamed of Jesus as what they were? Are we unashamed of our faith? Are we the sorts of people who would tailor our words or who would tailor our allegiance to the gospel or tailor what we would have public known about what we believe about what the scripture says? Would we tailor what we present to people depending on the group that we're currently mixing with? 
right? So if I'm amongst a group of people who are coming down hard on Christians because of their obedience to scripture, am I the sort of person who's gonna hold my tongue because I'm ashamed of Jesus or because I'm ashamed of his words? Or am I the sort of person who's going to give testimony to Jesus and say, you know what? I would have done the same thing because I'm a Christian too. Would I be the sort of person who would say, you know what, I'm a sinner. I am a sinner whom Jesus has forgiven. And for me to love others, I have to share the gospel. I have to share the gospel as the gospel is. And the message that life and forgiveness isn't found in justification, in, in self-justification. Right? So people today want to be affirmed and told, you're okay just as you are. Am I willing to share the gospel that says, no, that's not true. The gospel that says, you, like me, am a sinner in need of a saviour. And we can find life and forgiveness in repenting of sin and believing in the Lord Jesus Christ and being forgiven of that sin. So when the crowds are against Jesus, to be ashamed of him is to distance ourselves from him or to hide our allegiance to him and his words. Or when the crowds are against a particular Christian because they've taken an unpopular stand and because they've been obedient to God's word, will, be, will we be ashamed of those Christians? Will we distance ourselves from them? You see, that's what's coming through in today's reading. Paul, as a prominent Christian leader, has been imprisoned. He's not ashamed of Jesus. He's been preaching the gospel as the gospel is, and that's why he's been imprisoned. But the problem is, Others are now ashamed of Paul. He says, everyone in Asia's deserted me. Now, Asia back then was what we now know as Turkey, right? So modern day Turkey is Asia. But what Paul says, there's a bit of hyperbole. Um, that means he's sort of exaggerating a bit. Not everyone in Asia had deserted him, right? He's writing a letter to Timothy. Timothy is in Ephesus. That's part of Asia. Timothy hasn't deserted him. And he really talks up Onesiphorus, um, who Paul says was not ashamed of my chains. Onesiphorus, he was from Asia. He travelled to Rome and he searched for Paul. Um, apparently it wasn't that easy to find an individual prisoner in, in a prison in Rome. There must have been plenty of them. But he eventually found Paul and Paul was refreshed by his coming. But Onesiphorus, he was in the minority Many Christians had turned their backs on Paul. Why? Well, it's dangerous to know that man. He's been arrested. And if we let people know that we're associated with him, well, we might get arrested too. As Christians, this life, this current physical life that we live, it's not the be-all and end-all. If your aim is to, to have the most enjoyable life You've lost the plot as a Christian because that's not the be all and end all. As Christians, we have a holy calling. It is a calling of grace. 
right? We haven't earned this calling. We don't buy this calling. It's by the will of God. It is God's plan. And he worked out this plan before the ages began. When Jesus Christ appeared, he abolished death and he brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. Now, the gospel isn't only what Jesus has done. The gospel means good news. Euagelion is the, the, the Greek word for it. It means good news. It is the good news about what Jesus has done. It is the message that we are all sinners in need of a saviour. And it is a message that Jesus is that saviour. And this is why we are not ashamed of Jesus. What's the worst thing that the world could do to you? Put you in prison, arrest you, torture you, kill you. Is that the worst thing the world can do to you? Kill you. What problem is that when Christ has abolished death and he's brought life and immortality? This is our holy calling as Christians. And so Paul says, but I'm not ashamed. I'm not ashamed for I know whom I have believed. And I'm convinced that he is able to guard until that day what has been entrusted to me. Paul's not ashamed. He's not afraid. Not just because he knows the facts. And it's not just because he knows the outcome. And the outcome's pretty good, isn't it? We all, we all know how it works out in the end, don't we? Eternal life. He's not ashamed because he knows a person. That's why he's not ashamed. I know whom I have believed. He knows the Lord Jesus Christ. And our Lord, he is able to guard. He is able to keep. Even if we die, and Paul, by the way, he doesn't have long to live at this point. This is one of the last letters that he was written. He's in prison, and from that prison, he goes to get executed. He knows he's about executed, but he also knows the one who has abolished death. And so the Lord Jesus Christ, who has overcome death, is the one who is able to keep us even through death. But there's something also that we have to keep, right? So he keeps something, but we also have to keep something. And that is to keep the pattern or to follow the standard of the sound words that you've heard from me in the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. Right? That the teaching that the Apostle Paul gave, these were sound words. Now, some folk, they like to change the gospel a bit. They like to tweak it. They like to make it sound a bit more popular or to fit more what they want it to say. And some folk rail against what they would call cookie-cutter Christians. You know, and, and they get all upset. Oh, you, you're very opinionated, expecting that all Christians should believe the same thing. I like to believe such and such, and, and I don't expect that you have to believe that. And You know what? When it comes to the essentials of the gospel, we're supposed to believe the same things. There are some things that are debatable. 
Uh, but there are some things that are the essentials of the gospel. And these things cannot be changed. Because if these things are truth, then if we change it, we're no longer believing the truth. And that's why Paul says, follow the pattern or follow the standard of the sound words that you've heard from me in the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. The truth of our Lord Jesus, the truth of the gospel, it's what the apostles taught. And what the apostles taught is what's written in our Bibles. And that is the standard that we follow. We don't change it and we can't ignore it. And by the Holy Spirit who dwells within us, he says, guard the good deposit entrusted to you. What's the good deposit? What has God deposited into you that you need to guard? Some might say faith. Some might say Holy Spirit. In this case, he's talking about his word. When the Holy Spirit is alive in us, we will love his word. We're not going to want to change it because we love God's word just the way it is. And in this, Paul highlights two things. Faith and love, and it's not, it's not only faith as in believing, it's the faith, the faith, the true gospel. It's what we believe. The true teaching of Jesus and the teachings of the apostles, this is the faith. And this is what we guard. And of course, as Christians, we love. The strange thing is, sometimes some people try to do one without the other. And they think, oh yeah, they're so hard, so firm in the faith, that they actually stop loving people. Well, you know what? That's not faith at all. Because if I have true faith in Christ, I'll remember that that loving others is the bread and butter of being a Christian. But then some others will want to just love others and then discard the faith. But we don't do that either. When the Holy Spirit dwells within us, we will love the gospel. We will love the faith. We will guard it. We will keep it pure. And we will love our brothers and sisters in Christ. And that means also that, that we won't desert them when they suffer, like what Paul was deserted. And that's why our church is connected with open doors. And that's why every Sunday we pray for the persecuted church. So let's never be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord. By the Holy Spirit, we guard the good deposit that is made in us. That doesn't mean when we guard the deposit, that doesn't mean that we hide it away. Because if this is testimony that we're talking about, testimony is something that has to be spoken. Otherwise, it's not testimony. And I'm reminded of the parable of the talents. You'll know the parable of the talents. Sometimes we get a bit confused with it because of the word talents. And we sort of think as the talents, and we think, okay, this is a 
comparable about using our talents for God. So if God's taught me to play, if I can play the piano, I do this for God. And if I can speak, well, I can speak for God and etc. etc. That's not really what the parable is about. Yeah, that's something you can learn from it as well, but that's not really what the parable is about. A talent was a measure of gold, right? It was a weight of gold. So the parable is about a deposit that has been made. And um, so the, the master left different sized deposits with different servants. Two of those servants went and put that deposit to work, but one of them was afraid. And so he hid it away and that didn't work out well for that servant. The master returned and what have you done with, with the deposit that I've left with you? Oh, I, I hid it away, you wicked servant. And he ended up in the place of weeping and gnashing of teeth. That's not good. And, and that's pretty much what Paul is telling us here. God has given us a deposit. He has entrusted us with the gospel. Those who are ashamed of Jesus and those who are ashamed of God's word and who are ashamed of the gospel will hide it away. They will not let it be seen. But God has not given us a spirit of fear. And so by his Holy Spirit, we guard what he has given us and there is no way that we're going to hide it because we are not ashamed of our Lord or his gospel. Are we? Are we ashamed of Jesus and his gospel? I'd like to hear a no. No. Okay. Good day. Andrew's not ashamed. Good on you, Andrew. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, for many years, we've been privileged to be very much free from, from persecution in the land in which we live. And yet, even so, to our shame, it's almost been as if we've been ashamed of you at times. And sometimes we've hidden the message. Sometimes we've hidden our allegiance. Sometimes we've stood apart from other Christians who were suffering for their faith. And Lord, we ask that you would forgive us. And we ask that by the power of your Holy Spirit, that we would cherish and guard the deposit of your wonderful life-giving word. And Lord, may we never be ashamed of you that we would share this good news, that we would share this deposit with all who will listen. In Jesus' name, amen.